0: To the highway In a brand new day Welcome to Open the Voice Gate, Episode Thirty-Eight. I'm Mike Spears. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate or myself personally at Fujiheya. That's Fujiheya with two eyes, like Don Fuji. And it's been an interesting week for Dragon Gate. They just kicked off their January shows in their 2019, and with three big shows: one in Kyoto, one in Osaka, and then the big show in Corkin. And before we get into my reviews of the show, this is going to be mostly a review show. There were three shows, and all of them had something worth watching, and I kind of want to talk about that this episode. I want to do a little bit of house house cleaning, you know, house updates. So if you follow me on Twitter, or if you follow the Voices of Wrestling Twitter, or the podcast network, you have seen a new show that I'm a part of called Everything Elite. And I am very lucky and very happy to have been asked by the Aaron's Bentley, and Taub to join their All Elite podcast with a good friend of mine, Nate at Epitasis. But I want to make a couple things clear. I mentioned it on Twitter, but I feel like it bears repeating here in case you don't follow me personally on Twitter. Although I'm doing everything Elite, that's not going to change anything about Open the Voicegate going forward. It's still going to be a monthly or semi-monthly podcasts where i talk about everything that's happening in the dragon system and i fully plan on doing that into the future and on top of that there's going to be an announcement of a new dragon system related project that i've been working on with some folks in the next few weeks that is something i'm really excited about so i'm doing everything elite as a secondary podcast my nothing's changing about my focus with open the voice gate i'm really excited to do everything elite i've been wanting to do some sort of collaboration with the Aarons and Nate for a long time now, and this is kind of a good opportunity to do so, especially with the news that OWE and Stronghearts will be a part of All Elite Wrestling. So, as I've said before, Dragon Gate and OWE now are kind of two sides of the same coin, so that'll be a good place for you to follow me if you're looking into how OWE is, at least in North America. I'm still catching up on the Strongheart stuff and Russell in Russell 1 and in DDT. So as soon as I really kind of get all of that taken care of, probably in the next episode, I'll give more of an update on that. But thank you all for listening and subscribing. And if you get a chance, please send a review and a rating to the podcast platform of your choice. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts. Stitcher, pretty much if there's a podcast platform out there, you can find Open the Voice Gate, Everything Elite, and all the other great podcasts that Voices of Wrestling add. So, without any more talking, let's get into the big shows from Open the New Year Gate 2019. The first show of the year was from Kyoto on January 12th. It was at the KBS Hall for Open the New Year Gate 2019. It will be up on the Dragon Gate Network until the 19th Japan time, and it'll be back probably February 19th. Announced attendance was 675, which is down from last month's 709, but... It's kind of an insignificant drop. I mean, 25 tickets, is, or sorry, not 25, but 34 tickets isn't a ton. And also keep in mind, last month's show had the Strong Hearts return match for Takahiro Yamamura. And the day after this show, New Japan had a show at KBS Hall for Fantastica Mania. So not a incredibly sudden drop, and... When, wa- when watching this card, I understand why fans would be less enthused about it. Just overall, this was the first night of the Rookie Ranking League tournament, and to be honest, those matches are really the only ones that, are, that really had a lot of juice behind it. There were some other events on the show, but overall, if you're pressed for time, really, there's two matches on the show worth watching. My match of the night was the main event with the with the Natural Vibes team of KZ, Ginki Horiguchi, and Brother Yoshi versus the Maximum Trio of Doi Yoshi and Dragon Kid. And the other match worth watching was the rookie ranking tournament match between Yuki Yoshioka and Hio Watanabe. No matches on the show went over 14 and a half minutes and there were only 3 matches to go longer than 10. So, it is kind of a fast watch for it for a dragon gate show there was some there were some mic promos afterwards especially in the rookie ranking league hyping up the matches the next day in osaka let's just start from the pre-show stuff and work our way up the cards before the show started even before match zero they did the uh, drawing for the pairings for the rookie ranking league and the the big thing about the the rankings there were the, the uh, polls for the uh, Rookie Ranking League was that one of the seven would get a first round buy because of the odd number of wrestlers and Kaido Ishida won that buy and that set up a first round matchup between Dragon Daya and Shin Skywalker a second matchup of Hio Watanabe versus Yuki Yoshioka, and the final first round match between Ut and Kota Minanura. and because Kaido Ishida got the first round buy he was put into the match zero which had the returning Misterioso who is back after last year he is not the native Mexican Mysterio so he's the one that works mostly in Southern California and Los Angeles and he never really he never really impressed me when he was here last time he did he does have kind of a cool get up he has a Scott Steiner chain linked a hood that he wears out there but you, you know out of all the gaijin that they brought in last year I felt like he was the my least favorite I didn't care for him that much and to be honest, this match zero match of Ashida and Mysterioso versus Problem Dragon Mondai Ryu and Sachi Hoko Boy went six minutes and eight seconds with Ashida getting the win on Sachi. So not much this match. I gave it one and three quarter stars just because it wasn't very good even for a six minute match. This was a match where it's obvious that at least for Ryu and Boy, they'd, don't wrestle as much and they usually wrestle in these things so who knows how much training they did and over the break I know Ishida went to Hong Kong and was part of the shows there and he looked he looked fine uh Sachi looked a little better than he did at the end of last year he was looking really rough and I was starting to dread the matches but he was okay and then Mysterioso also was fine I mean he looked all right he didn't do a whole lot and he's just not my favorite one of the gaijin from last year and wasn't really looking forward to him coming back, and I was hoping to see if he could do anything else, but it didn't look like it this year, or this tour at least. The traditional opener of the show was a singles match between Ada and Susumi Yokosuka, and Ada got the win in three minutes and 24 seconds with Imperial Uno, which is his super kick that for a while they were calling a murder kick, but it seems like they've decided to stick with the Imperial Uno for this. And yeah, this was three minutes and 24 seconds, Ada jumped him at the start of the match and then the only bit of offense that got was a couple of Jumbo Nokachis and a top rope exploder. And for 3 minutes and 24 seconds, there really not much to this match. Ada went after a uh, after a low blow and then two Imperial Unos. And after the match he destroyed the really long lasting blue box. There still is another box that they had, but he took his baseball bat and destroyed it. And for a 3 minute match it was a three-minute match. I gave it two stars and didn't think much about it. The first of the Rookie Ranking League tournament was first round match A between Shun Skywalker and Dragon Daya. And Shun advanced on the tournament with the Ashlot in eight minutes and 22 seconds. I gave this two and a half stars. It It's fine. Like, that's the thing about this show. There's a lot of matches that were just fine. And you know we're in a time we're in a day and age where there's way too much wrestling out there to watch and for anyone to rashly consume so this is a match that unless you're a completist like i am and love watching the young wrestlers you could skip over it's a unique matchup that i don't know how much we're going to see out between Shu and dragon Daya. but uh right off the bat uh Daya did a topic on hello before shun skywalker even got into the ring which is of course reminiscent of one that hayabusa did during the super j cup and also one that ada crypt during the super j cup in 2016 and that was really cool because this is one of the uh, tapings there was only the moving hard cam so we didn't get to catch the total angle of him running and going so it was kind of funny to see just little dragon die dive bomb him and wh- one thing that really struck me during this match is how much bigger shun is than die i mean he easily had five inches on him and probably close to 30 pounds of muscle and it's just kind of uh it was kind of noticeable and to me that the interesting thing about that match was that this really is kind of the first match for Shun to lead on his own I mean him being the big veteran in the match and there was a moment where this match could have really broken down where Shun completely missed a shotgun drop kick but he was able to grab a hold and refocus themselves going into the final few minutes of the match so it was very encouraging seeing shun as someone who always kind of flirts with disaster that he was able to just reorient himself and be able to get Daya, who's the youngest guy on the roster the least experienced guy on the roster get him back on the same page there was a cool little moment before the finish when shun skywalker was teasing the ashla and he had dragon Daya up on his shoulders and this is one of those moments that really make me think about how much bigger he is than dragon Daya. and dia was able to kind of squirm around his body and hit a really neat looking uh rolling prawn bomb onto him for his big near fall and that was kind of cool for guys like him and Hio watanabe who are much smaller than everyone else on the roster it was cool to see him kind of try to use his size as an advantage and again this match was fine Daya is someone that i'm st- not as high on as everyone else but he looked fine in this match and Shun showed some leadership ability and how he was able to save this match from being a disaster. The second rookie ranking tournament match was between Yuki Yoshioka and Hiyo Watanabe and it was easily the best of the rookie ranking tournament matches. Yuki Yoshioka won in 11 minutes and 48 seconds with his frog splash and this had both of them had new themes and both of them were pretty good. I really like Hiyo Nabe's out of the two of them and that's something that I meant to talk about a little earlier. There's a new version of Dragon Storm that they performed this, that they recorded for this year, and it's really not my cup of tea. I know that for the 20th anniversary, they wanted to do something special and have a new recording on it, and maybe it'll grow on me, but hearing it six times before intermission kind of got old, to be honest, and, but it was nice to see that both Watanabe and Yoshioka have their own themes. That just leaves, it, it leaves Minenora and Daya as the young guys without theme music at this point, and they, moved, they worked this match, out of all the three matches, this was the one that was worked more as an even contest between the opponents, because in the first match, Shun pretty much just was exerting his will onto Dragon Daya, and UT was able to kind of withstand like the alternate, the opening flurry from Minenora and then started to grab a hold and just lock him down. But this one was worked 50-50 all throughout, and even more so that... For the, most of the beatdown sections, most of the bigger selling s- sections, it was Yoshioka doing the selling. So it wasn't Watanabe being the smaller guy having to fight out of it. It was him being able to use his speed as an advantage. And uh, both of them were getting a solid response throughout the show. And if they're from the crowd, which is kind of interesting, because I've, I've heard that Yoshioka has been doing pretty well on crowd response. And it was interesting to see that Hyo was getting a good response as well. I went three and a quarter on this match, and... To be honest, on the show, there wasn't a lot of stuff with any any substance. Not a lot of things to like, bite your teeth into and really get into. And this was one of the matches that you were able to. And I appreciated that a lot. And it had a pretty spirited final stretch where Yoshioka did his side slam and then was able to get the frog splash off of it. And it was a solid match. You know, I going into this tournament, I did not think these two would be matched up, really. I felt like that they might try to build up the two... The, the the two older guys and the ranking league in ut and ashita i felt like that maybe they would be the ones having these kind of matches but we got a uh Mo- mochizuki dojo versus mochizuki dojo first round match and the two of them you know that they have some good chemistry i mean they've been working together now for just over two years so it's, i'm pretty happy to see that the two of them have really kind of put together with it and then after that match uh they had there was a promo because the next first round matchup was going to be or no the first semifinal would be Skywalker versus Yoshioka and the two of them said that they were excited to see who would be the the top member of mochizuki dojo and both of them had similar goals and that they were hoping that they both would give their best and they had a handshake afterwards. so it was showing that there still is kind of a spirit of teamwork between mochi dojo even though it's not a unit and it's not a stable it's a dojo. And it was kind of nice to see that when this semifinals was supposed to be a spirited contest. The final first round matchup of the rookie ranking tournament was between UT and Kota Minenora. And in the shortest match of the first round, UT won with his Bieniave hold in 4 minutes and 19 seconds. And gave it 2 stars because it's really hard, unless it's the Kenta versus Ricky Marvin match, it's hard for me to give a really high rating on a match that's less than 5 minutes. I mean... This exact same thing that I gave for Ada and Susumu. And it's something that I would give in the match after this. And that's the story of the show. I mean, I had three matches above three stars and everything else was just there. It just was, were nothing matches. This is not a show to really go out of your way and watch unless you're a completionist or if you want to watch the rookie series. So it was interesting to me that Kota got the worst response I've ever out of all the young guys. But he's also the one to me that has really shown zero character. And, we, and I feel like he's still trying to figure out who he is in the ring like Yuki Yoshioka is kind of the solid workhorse of the Mochi Dojo guys Shun Skywalker is the highlight person the high flyer uh, Hio Watanabe is kind of the seller of the group he's one that does pretty good beatdowns and you know there's not a whole lot to Kodom and Inura so far and that kind of came out here because the crowd was much more so for UT and I, I really kind of appreciate it though I did like how the story of the match was that Kota went full blast on UT, thinking, okay, I'm a bigger guy. I'm going to be the one that's able to take him down because UT still is. He might be the smallest person on the roster still. I I don't remember seeing him and Dragon Daya together, but it's either one or one of them or the other because I know that Hiyo is slightly taller than UT. And so so Coda Minora got about two and a half minutes of offense. He tried to come off the top rope, and UT immediately locked him in a uh, Cobra twist, and then from there it just became hold, to hold, to hold into the BN Ave, And that was it. I mean, that was it for that match. Four minutes and 19 seconds. And then that set up the second semifinal match between Ishida who, again, received the first round by in UT. And Ishida came out and they pretty quickly came to blows. The two of them don't like each other and, you know, this was a match I thought could have been the finals of the tournament, but I knew this match had to happen. And then they I have not watched the Osaka show. I'm recording this on the 14th, but I know how the tournament goes, but it's interesting that we're going to get one Mochizuki Dojo guy in the finals, and then we're going to get one out of UT and Kaido Ishida in the finals. So I'm happy that we're going, that this match happened in Osaka. I'm happy that they had this tournament and did not decide to have a match between the two of them like you had to have Ishida versus UT. That's kind of been the big storyline that built up this feud between all the rookies. So it, it's it, out of these matches, really, just watch the... The Watanabe versus Yoshioka one. The other two, unless you're big fans of those guys, they're not really worth watching them. But at the same time, if you have 15 minutes, I mean, there's worse ways to spend your 15 minutes. The fifth match of the show was R.E.D. versus the unaligned guys as Big Arshimizu, Benkei, Takashi Yoshida win against Ryo Saito, Don Fuji, and Gamma. This, this trio that's really all the veterans that are in a unit. They've been pretty much teaming together for the better part of a year and a half now, so... We had that and skip this match. It wasn't really anything to it. It was nine minutes and 35 seconds. Ben K gets the win on Gamma. I went two stars, which for me two stars is as much of a this match happened rating as I can give anything. I had three matches on this show that were two stars flat. And it just felt like every single heels versus old guy match that we've ever seen, the first few minutes had about 15 shoulder block attempts that didn't happen and it was just there you know i've listed the six guys in this match and you've seen them do matches like this before and it exactly was what you expected out of it so enough about that match the uh, the tag match that came after that was the mixed team were two mixed teams actually you had kines and kakatora versus masaki mochizuki and jason lee kakatora got the win over jason lee in nine minutes and five seconds with his kaganui uh, flash cradle and this was i give this one three stars I like this a lot more spirited. I like this a lot more. I thought it was more spirited than any of the other tag matches before it on the show. It was a lot of kind of Mochizuki and Jason working over Kakatora. Not a lot of Kness in this match. And to be honest with Kness where he is in his health and his career, it's about what he expected. But Mochizuki and Jason Lee would be a fun team. Like I'd, I know Mochizuki's doing his thing and Jason Lee's in maximum, but the two of them have chemistry together. And there was a bunch of kind of like go back and forth about them working over Kakatora's leg. So that was a lot of fun. And there was a good little stretch at the end between Jason Lee and Kakatora, where he kicked out of one Kakanui and then he did not kick out of a second one. But it's a nine minute sprint match and it was fun. I gave it three stars. The semi main event of the show was Yamato and Kai versus the RED team of Pak and Yuzushi Kanda. I went two and three quarters on this match. This is another match that existed. I mean, I'm on record about how I feel about Kai and Dragon Gate, but he worked okay with Yamato. I mean, the two of them have some teamwork, and that kind of came into play over something that's worth saying about Kai is in Kyoto. Kai was super over. I don't know if this was because he had the triple crown match earlier the earlier this year in all Japan, and and they saw that match and they really liked him because of that. Because he's not from Kansai, he's from uh, I think he is. He's from outside Tokyo. He's from one of the prefecture prefectures outside of, of Tokyo. Can't believe I'm forgetting what it is, what town he's from. But he's not a Kansai native, but he was super over. And there was a this was kind of the R.E.D. bullshit match. There was a lot of crowd brawling. Big Archimizu got involved, and it just kind of happened. This match has been... It was 12 minutes. I mean, Pac's kind of doing his usual Pac character stuff, which works, but you know, you're not getting the, the great four-star matches out of Pac in this position. And Yamato, you know, this is probably the first time him and Kai have ever teamed as a team. And Kanda's Kanda, so... Two and three quarters. The most interesting thing about this match... Oh, yeah, before I could, before I move on, Kai penned Konda with a medio Impact in 12 minutes and 39 seconds. The most interesting thing about this match was that Yamato invited uh, Kai to assist or to team up with Vanguard. He, he quickly agreed to assist him, and I don't think this is a, a full membership. I think he's just an assistant in the way that Masato Tanaka was an anti system assistant, assistant over the summer. What was kind of funny was he, uh, I'm reading notes off of iHeartDG that really Yamada wasn't planning on asking Kai to join and help him out. But just in case he prepared, the answer was, the answer was yes, he prepared a thank you gift. So he gave him the full set of all of his cooking mixes, which included the almighty curry, pasta sauce, and beef stew. And, you know, try Vanguard with the injuries to Maria and Hulk and the fact that Flamita isn't on every tour. They were down to just UT and Kakatora alongside Yamato, so they needed someone. So Kai, if he's gonna be around, you know, this will stick him a bunch of trios matches and I'll be happy with it. I just I don't think I'm ever gonna be a fan of Kai in Dragon Gate, but he seemed to be someone that could get stuff out of Yamato that Yamato needs and if he's in a match for four or five minutes I could tolerate that. But so it'll be interesting. I don't know how much Kai really is gonna be in Dragon Gate this year if that's his top priority considering his time in all japan recently so it'll be interesting going forward i still think that one of the young guys is going to end up in tribe one way or another just because they need someone i don't know if it's going to be hyo i don't think it's going to be shun i don't think shun really fits there but it it, it seems like that tribe after looking really good towards the end of 2018 with that great kakatora ut and maria trios and yama hulk that they seem to finally find solid footing they're back and being in the uh, danger zone and of course they're the oldest they're the oldest unit and dragon gate so if you ever see tri vanguard in a unit in a loser must disband match and if you ever find anyone who takes weird bets on dragon gate put your money against tri vanguard because i don't think they're going to be lasting too much longer the main event of the show in kyoto was the trio's match between the natural vibes team of KZ, Ginky Horiguchi, and brother yashi going up against the maximum top trio really of Masato Yoshino, Naruki Doyin, Dragon Kid, with Casey getting the pin on Masato Yoshino in 14 minutes and 29 seconds with his running his running elbow smash, and I went three and a half stars on it. I think this is a match worth watching. It was a whole lot of fun. The opening face-offs, they the opening three or four minutes, they had all the opening face-offs, and they all were worked really well. They were all into it. Yoshino's someone that lately, if it's a house show that's being taped, you don't know what Yoshino you're going to get, but. There was a lot of Yoshino in this match, and it was kind of an there was an interesting variant early on of where they would do where tag teams in Dragon Gate and particularly Ginky and K-Z were they would do rope running and then they would do a they would do a leg trip so the opponent goes down and then Ginky flips over them and does a chin lock from his back, so it's the one that arches them up off the, the mat. But it's I'm sorry, KZ was the one who did this. I'm trying to remember how this sequence went. Apologies. So so KZ flips over him, does a chin lock upwards, and then Gigi Horiguchi, instead of doing the running sliding kick that Doi Yoshi often does, he jumps and just dropped an elbow right on their stomach. And I thought that was I thought that was really kind of interesting. I thought that was kind of cool, a little nice little variant and tweak. And, and it, well, one of the things about this match and one of the things about this year that I find kind of interesting is how they portray KZ inside of Tri-Vanguards, especially in trios and main event matches. KZ is such a great natural babyface. He's so good at selling and doing the fiery babyface comeback. And, of course, they naturally put him in that role here. But given the matches that have happened so far in 2019, sorry, not used to it being 2019 yet, 2019, and how his 2018 started with, like, it seems like they're putting together another win streak. I wouldn't be surprised if on the 16th that they have him do a challenge against Pac because of how things are being built up now. And it's interesting that he's the one that gets all the beatdowns and then comes back and wins. It's something that you don't see a whole lot in Dragon Gate I find kind of interesting the fact that it's KZ doing doing a lot of the selling the match instead of someone like Ginky Horiguchi. It's natural for someone like Ginky Horiguchi to sell a whole lot in these matches. But getting back to the match itself, again it was just under 14 and a half minutes and really it was very flowy this wasn't a match that went on too long it was almost a complete sprint but the fun sprint section at the end was great all six got involved even yashi who's someone that isn't the best person at sprint sections i know joe lanza is a yashi hater but yashi put on his working boots today and yashi was more spirited than usual he wasn't that spirited in the natural vibes dance but when the match got going it was great and then the uh, the lead up to the finish was all focusing on yoshino which i thought was kind of interesting I mean, Ginky got the uh, went for a uh, backslide from heaven on Doi, and of course Doi kicked out. And then a late finishing segment of Yoshino taking the fall. And this is yet another show that Masato Yoshino takes a fall on. I mean, he took the first fall in the Twin Gate four way match at Final Gate, and then he took a fall in the Fans Appreciation match. And Masato Yoshino does not take many falls, folks. Mas- Masato Yoshino usually takes four falls in a year. He'll take one of them in King of Gate, he'll take one in like title matches, but outside of that, if you see Masato Yoshino in a match, you know okay, that guy ain't losing, or that guy's not the one getting pinned or tapped out, but they've used this as a way to build up KZ. I mean, KZ got a, a definitive pin on Masato Yoshino with the elbow smash, and makes it makes me go back to the fact is if is going to be Pox first Challenger, and it also makes me wonder if they're really starting to downcycle Masato Yoshino in a way which we haven't seen happen yet in his career. I mean, pretty much from Torimon 2000, Project Dawn, he was the one that was always the most protected guy. I mean, even in Italian Connection, of course, Mono Collection AT was the leader of the unit, but he was more he was more apt to take a fall than Masato Yoshino did. So it's interesting. 2019 has already started kind of interestingly, and, you know, this is a big first week of shows for Dragon Gate. I mean, within four days, there's three shows, and out of the three shows, I wager to say that this one is the most skippable. If you want to watch... Call matches on the show, watch the Watanabe Yoshioka tournament match, then watch the main event, and do something else for the rest of your life. The show is three hours long. I just gave you a way to watch what you need to watch show in 20 minutes. Go watch a movie. Go play a video game. Just do something else, because this is probably one of the most nothing shows you'll see at Dragon Gate this year. The second show of the back-to-back kickoff of 2019 was in Osaka, Edeon 2, for Open the New Year Gate 2019. It was on January 13th, which means that it will be up on Dragon Gate Network until the 20th, and it will probably go back up on February 20th. The announced attendance was 930, which is up from the last time. They were in Edeon 2, which was all the way back in September. They've really not been in Osaka since Gate of Destiny. So this attendance was 930 again, and it's up from 824. And... Overall, I liked the show far more than I liked the show the night before in Kyoto. It just felt like the show in Kyoto was everyone shaking off ring rust and kind of going through the motions, whereas this was a incredibly good show. I had four matches of it at three stars or better, including one match at four stars and a quarter. So my first, re- my first highly recommended Dragon Gate match of the year came from the show. And, you know, if you're picking one of the two to watch, just skip Kyoto in retrospect, the only thing you really should watch from that one was the Yuki Yoshioka versus Hio Watanabe match in the main event. Whereas this one, pretty much from the uh, the rookies' matches on, they're worth watching. But let's let's take the show from the bottom up. And the first match was a match zero pre-show match between Hio Watanabe and Mysterioso, which was a five-minute draw. And Mysterioso looked better in this match, but still didn't seem that great to be honest he wasn't too cooperative and it made Hio Watnabe for his offense look pretty bad there was a moment where Hio was going for his tarantula lock on the ropes and Mysterioso only fed him one leg and was not willing to go up on his other leg for it so that was really distracting and then all these pre-show matches have a five minute time limit and I thought that it was kind of kind of bizarre that with a minute left in the match Mysterioso went for a half crap and it was one of those long drawn out crabs that pretty much took, ate up the remainder of the match and just was weird. And it didn't make sense to me why that would happen. And I gave it two stars. Really. It wasn't bad. It just was kind of there. Like just fast forward through it. Match one was a another Ada singles match, continuing his kind of trend from the night before, as Ada took on Rio Saito and he beat him in a minute and forty six seconds. And There's no way to rate this match. It was basically Cyrio joking about Ada's haircut and Ada hitting three Imperial Unos and getting the win. So it seems like this is what they're trying to do to really kind of get Ada's heat back after he lost to the Apuestas match with Dragon Kid. I don't know if it's pronounced Imperial Uno or Imperial Uno. I'm guessing Imperial since all of Ada's big news have Spanish names and pronunciations. So I'm going with Imperial going forward and... Really, you know, I didn't write this thing for a match that was just over 100 seconds long. It had four it had basically five moves. And, you know, I think this is a good idea to try to get Ada back over as the big heel, as he's now had wins over Susumu and Cyrio in very, convi- very convincing fashion, and getting over the Imperial Uno is kind of a sudden match ender. Match 2 was a veteran six-man tag match with Don Fuji, Gamma, and Kness on one side, and Misaki Mochizuki, Ginki Horiguchi, and Monday Rio Problem Dragon, on the other side. Don Fuji pinned Problem Dragon 11 minutes and 24 seconds with this super choke slam. I went two and three quarters on this. This was just a very lighthearted veterans match. I mean, it was kind of just. If you've seen one of these, you've seen them all. The, the, the only real thing of note was Gamma was in a pretty weird mood and tried to, to unmask uh, Problem Dragon. Makes really. He just kind of had a wild hair. They wanted to unmask them. And it just was lighthearted a comedy match. It was fun for what it was. I mean, 11 minutes and 30 seconds. It's not essential viewing or even a match that I would ever recommend. I mean, if you've seen one of these kind of lower card veteran matches, you've seen them all. And, you know, it was fun for what it was. They had the usual post-match for whenever whenever Don Fuji and Masaki Mochizuki are on opposite sides. They often go at it and just are feisty after the match trying to kick and chop each other until they both suddenly hug and shake hands. And it's one of the more endearing things and Dragon Gate continuity because they've been this way pretty much ever since Don Fuji left uh, uh, Don Fuji went independent and left blood generation. He's just kind of been a little bit of goofball. And these two have always kind of gravitated around each other. So I like the fact that they keep on trying to fight after a match and they immediately hug and shake hands and are happy with each other. So that was funny. But again, this match was pretty much what you've seen before. And if you watch a lot of Dragon Gate, you've probably seen hundreds of times. The third match was the rookie ranking tournament semifinal between Shun Skywalker and Yuki Yoshioka, and Shun got the pin in eight minutes and 50 seconds, so he advances on to the finals match at Cork and Hall, and Yuki Yoshioka will be fighting for third place. And I went three and a quarter on this. It's it, it's a very good match. It's easily outpaced by the match that comes on after this, but I think it, a real interesting thing about this tournament is how much they've really built up yuki yoshioka as a babyface in peril and he's been doing a great job with it he was really over in osaka like chance for him outnumbered shun skywalker a good 90 90 to 10 percent like like yuki yoshioka has gotten over this tournament and i i'm for it i think yuki yoshioka he might not have the high the highest ceiling out of any of these guys but he is someone that i feel like has really put it all together especially in comparison with shun who sometimes just you, you think he's going to avert disaster somehow at the last second, and Hio Watanabe, who's just never, who has not put it together yet. So he's kind of become, at least in my opinion, the best worker out of that 2016 trio. And they had a really spirited elbow exchange about four minutes into this match. I mean, this was basically worked as a full, complete sprint. And Yuki Oshioka had like a really good recovery at a moment that could have gone very wrong in this match. I think that further cements the idea of how how consistent he is and how that he seems to have like the best mind out of this group of guys of putting together a match. There was a moment where he was trying to go for a springboard, I guess, seated drop kick and he could not get his footing right and he fell forward. And he kind of just, as he was right after he bounced, he realized, Oh, this isn't going to work this way. He turned into a shoulder tackle. And I thought that was really kind of wild. And the crowd was really, really electric for the finish. A kind of ongoing trend throughout the show was there are most of the matches the final stretch ended up being a cradle segment where they were all trading pit attempts. And this one this match had one of those as well. And it was really spirited. The crowd really is getting behind Yuki Yoshioka and they reacted well for shooting Skywalker when he won. So it's not like that they picked one guy over the other. And you know, out of the matches that were televised for this tournament, I feel like that Yuki Yoshioka has been the he, he's probably not the MVP, but he's definitely the best role player in these matches. I can't give him MVP because of how great match four was. And match four was the other rookie ranking tournament set semifinal where Kaido Ishida took on UT. This long simmering undercard feud finally came to a head in a match like this. And Kaido Ishida got the win in 16 minutes and 48 seconds with his Tiger suplex hold. So that means that at Corken, the finals for the rookie ranking tournament will be Shun Skywalker versus Kaido Ishida. And the third, fourth place match is Yuki Yoshioka versus UT. And I went four and a quarter on this match. It's the best match from this doubleheader of shows by far, and the crowd was more into this than anything else on the show. And one of the things that's really cool about this match is that Kaido Ishida has really built up some charisma as this prickish and dominating, this prickish and dominating kicker. Like he just in the first three four minutes of the match, he kept on kicking the crap out of Ut, and each time he kicked him, he kind of gave a look to the crowd. He kind of he kind of gestured towards the ropes, and he just really showed a kind of charisma that we don't see that often out of faces. I mean, really, the last person to have, like, this kind of charisma as a character, at least this young in his career, was Akira Tazawa, And that was more so at when he started turning face in Matt Blankey before he joined Monster Express. So I've, I'm i all in on Kaido Ishida. I have not watched the Korkin show yet. I'm recording this on the 16th, so I'll watch that soon after this. I'm unspoiled on Korkin as well. But... I really feel like that Ishida is the one I feel like should win this tournament like Shun Skywalker has been the guy they've positioned over 2018 as the cream of the crop at least of the mochizuki dojo guys but kaido Ishida has been the has been one he's older so they need to kind of get him going and two I feel like that he has a connection with the crowd that Shin Skywalker does not have yet and getting back to the match itself there was a really cool moment where the first few minutes was kaido Ishida all over UT just kicking and chopping and just and just really like putting a mud hole in him. And then there was a single moment where he tried to go for a trip that that UT went down, grabbed a heel hook, and then he was like, okay, I've got this. And there's not enough that can be said about how great UT has been in this tiny technician role, like being a Yahweh master. He's probably the most underrated technician in the world right now. And most assuredly, the best technician that not enough people are watching because... As soon as UT grabbed a hold of Kaido Ishida's leg, he just started cranking on it. He started just screaming and, and twisting the ankle and then like turning into different kinds of ankle locks and knee bars. And points to Kaido Ishida, he sold that for the rest of the match. He would always be shaking out his leg, would have a little bit of a limp when he was trying to run the ropes. And it just looked like he wasn't able to really get full strength out of it. And it, it was epitomized when there was a pen attempt where he went over for the bridge. I believe it was on a German suplex. And he couldn't keep the bridge because of how much damage UT did to his leg, and it was incredible work from both guys getting this over. And really, this was 16 minutes of two guys being pissed off each other, having, uh, having heat hatred going back until early last fall and going at each other, and it was incredible. It's the I, I went four and a quarter on this match. It is easily the best match of this tournament so far, and the best match of Ren Gates' year. And I really feel like that it. This is the kind of stuff I wanted to see out of this tournament, and I'm glad that this happened. Match 5 was a tag match of RED versus Maximum, as Yushishi Kanda and Takashi Yoshida faced off against Masato Yoshino and Jason Lee. Yoshida got the win over Lee in 11 minutes and 48 seconds with his Cyber Bomb. And, to be honest, with the exception of the second match, this was probably the worst match on the main card. I mean, I, I give it two minute i gave it two and three quarter stars and it just was fine i mean there's a bunch of crowd brawling to start like your typical red versus faces opening where they go brawl in the crowd and it's a problem on these single cam shows that if you watch like this the week that's posted for almost all the shows except corkin and the big five you have an issue where you only have a single camera and it follows it's a hard game where they follow them around but you can't really you can't really track it and so you're missing out on some of the crowd brawling and to be honest a lot of the crown brawling is kind of samey, so I don't feel like I miss out a lot. That's just one of those things that's hard to evaluate, and it was an issue again in the main event later. But most of this match was Jason Lee selling for Yoshida and Kanda, and Yoshino kind of just came in for his moments, and that was really it. I mean, they've been very careful about how much Yoshino has wrestled since he dropped the title, and, you know, I mean, Lee looked good in this match, and Yoshida looked good in the match. Really not a lot Yoshino to really judge, but... This was not a great performance from Yuzushi Kanda, and this has become a trend. I've never been someone who's been low on Kanda, but it's kind of become clear to me that out of older wrestlers that are still heavily featured, so I'm talking about your Masaki Mochizukis, your Dragon Kids, he probably is the one that's worse out of all of them. I mean, most of the veterans who are older are usually in the Gamma and Fuji role, where they're just kind of tucked away. They do their comedy matches, and that's it, but... Konda is a Triangle Gate champion, and and to be quite honest, he's not really shown a whole lot since the R.E.D. changeover happened, and it's just one of those things that, since the Jimmy's ended, he's, we thought we were going to get this legendary Rudo back, I mean, he was the original Rudo Dragon System, but he's just been sad, old, he's just not as crisp as he used to be, it's all basically brawling, he does the John Woo, and if he wins, he hits the Ryus. So, that's it's depressing, but I feel like that Kanda is someone that whenever he's done with R.E.D., I feel like they should move him down the car just because it's just it, it there, are mo- there are moments in this match where he clearly took me out of it. And, you know, Yoshida got the win with the cyber bomb over Lee. There were a couple moments where Lee showed some good baby face fire in it. He's great at that kind of role, but there's really not a lot to it. This is a match you can easily skip over if you're watching the show with a time crunch. Your semi-main event of the show was a Natural Vibes versus Maximum match with KZ and Sasumi Okosuka going up against Naruki Doi and Dragon Kid. KZ got the pin in 16 minutes and 48 seconds with his running elbow smash over Naruki Doi. And I went three and a half stars on this. And to be honest, I gave this three and a half stars, not because of the, the match in the entirety, but really the last eight minutes of this match are some very good to great stuff. The first eight minutes, it's there. It's very slow. It just was a lot of KZ selling and it. And I mean, I like watching KZ sell. He's one of the great faces in Peril that are in wrestling today. But if you've seen one of them, you've seen them all. And it's just a whole lot of it. Susumu wasn't really doing a whole lot in this match either. I feel like that a lot of the older guys really recognize what these, what these matches were at the beginning of the year. And have, I don't want to say taked it off, but they weren't going at 100%. And it was a real slowing. It was, again, a real slow opening. And it wasn't a bad thing. It's just noticeable in KZ matches that he's willing to take the beat down for five six minutes at a time but there was a really funny moment in this match where where Susumu was going for his top row exploder and he, each time he got Nuruki way up Nuruki just try to get out of, it, try out of it try to spin around the turnbuckle go around the corner and just try to stop it until finally like about a minute later he was Susumu was able to get him up for good and hit the exploder and I thought that was kind of a nice funny thing to do on the show especially since Susumu didn't, wasn't necessarily the feature guide in this match that it was kind of a nice thing to have as like in the back head, like oh yeah no Susumu did something pretty neat during this match so I thought that was a lot of fun and then again like the last eight minutes were really great the finishing stretch had a lot of cradles and it was really over I mean KZ with the exception of Doi and actually Kaito Ishida he was the most over guy on this show so they've clearly have been doing something with KZ as on back to back nights he got direct pinfalls over both members of Doi Yoshi and Masaru Yoshino doesn't really drop a lot of falls. And in a match with Dragon Kid and Naruki Doi, you think Dragon Kid's going to take the fall, but no, it's Naruki Doi. So I think this might be positioning KZ as Pox's first title challenger. Uh, and that probably will either be at the February Korokan or possibly at Champion Gate. You know, sometimes I've done beginning of the year Korokin title match, but since they did the title switch out of Korokan, I'm wondering if they're going to hold off on that match until... Champion Gate back in Osaka, but it it just seems like that he's the person who's been they've been building up momentum with. And it's very clear with KZ that when he starts getting wins with the Elbow Smash and the Sky to Special, that there's a lot of things that kind of fall in place for him. And I feel like he's either going on that streak right now or he's on the verge of it. And this had a great finishing stretch. And I thought this was I had a lot of fun with this match. I thought this match actually was better than the main event. But you know, if you're someone who's more into a brawling style, you might like the main event a bit more. The main event was a Tribe Vanguard versus R.E.D. trios match with Yamato, Kagatora, and the new Tribe Vanguard member Kai on one side. It seems that Kai is not just an assistant, he's a full member now, which they needed. And the R.E.D. team was Pac and Big Ben of Big Archimizu and Benkei. And this match went 14 minutes, 28 seconds, with Yamato getting the pin on Benkei with the Galleria. And as I just said, this was a little bit more of a brawling match. There was more crowd brawling to start off this match it was a good two or three minutes versus the usual like minute and then something where they just throw you in the chairs hit each other a couple times and then eventually they all work back their way back in the ring this one went a little longer and as i said before you can't really see a whole lot of it but to me the big story of this match is that i feel like this is a position that now i can see kai's role in dragon gate and i'm okay with it it seems like that a lot of the issues that Kai had early on, when he was appearing in Dragon Gate, was that he was going against much smaller wrestlers. I mean, Kai pretty much towered over everyone in this match except for Big Ben. But when he's with wrestlers that are closer to his size, he seems to have better chemistry, and he seems to be playing a role of more of a bruising member of Tri Vanguard, which is which is important for a unit that you have a lot of pretty small guys. I mean, Kakatora was originally. A mini member of mini Crazy Max and UT's the smallest guy on the roster. So having a guy of some size is is good for this team, and he worked out pretty well. I mean, he had some good chemistry both with uh, Big Ben and and also with Pox. I mean, it's not just that he has issues with smaller guys; it's just he has to have smaller guys that will give it back to him and will do some character work. And I think that's just kind of the wrestler he is. And the big story of this match was was Kakatora was doing. A really convincing face and peril section. He's really great at this role. I mean, he did this in the Yokozuna chomi tag team. I mean, he's just a great face and peril, and he was really good at getting beat down by Pock and Big Ben. There was a moment in the match where they really started giving it to him. They knocked off both Yamato and Kai from the apron, and then they, and then there was a pinfall attempt on Kagatora. He kicked out. He immediately tried to go for the hot tag, and he looked in the corner. There Was no Kai, there was no Yamato, and he started yelling at them to tell him to get up in the corner so he can get a tag. And then, sure enough, as soon as the next penitent happened and kick out, Kagatora was able to die for it, and both of them were jumped up on the apron just in time to get the tag. And I thought that was pretty funny, I, I enjoyed that as well. And this is another match that had a strong finishing stretch between Benkei and Yamato. I mean, this really was Benkei was going nuts with spears, and he was able to get a couple convincing ones until Yamato kicked out of a couple, was able to do a Frankenstein or the Almighty for an earfall, and they got him up on the shoulders for a uh, for the Galleria. And it was done in a way, not like a normal Galleria, where he kind of lifts them straight up and spins them around and lands so it. This was one that was done out of a fireman's carry. And I thought that was kind of interesting. As well, I mean, you look at this trio from R.E.D., you have Pac, you have Biggar Shimizu, and you have Binke, and Pock's not going to take a fall unless he has to. So whoever's going to take a fall, whoever's going to get a fall on Pock is probably the one that's going to be the next challenger so between Big Urshimitsu and Benkei I thought it was interesting that they chose Benkei to take the fall I guess I feel like okay it's easier for Yamato to get up Benkei for the Galeria since that was going to be the finish but you know it's probably not I'm probably overthinking this but I thought that that was kind of interesting but just in general this Osaka show was a whole lot of fun I mean I came out of it with four matches at three stars and a better I mean to be honest two of them were three and a quarter so they were lower end very good matches but it's about two hours and forty-five minutes. You could probably cut the show down even further if you skip, if you skip the uh, everything up until the Shin Skywalker Yuki Oishioka match, and just kind of fast forward through the the Red versus Maximum Tag match. But definitely check out the Kaido Ishida versus E.T. match. That's probably my first highly recommended match of this year. It just was incredible, and it really makes me feel like that they had the right idea with this rookie ranking league. I was excited about it when it began, and it's delivered. I mean, there's not really been a bad televised match out of all of them. And le- I'm going to leave it with this before I ha before we do the Corkin review. There was a show a couple days after this in Mie that was, not a whole lot happened on it. The only thing really of note and something that needs to be known was Dragon Daya had influenza and he was taken off not only the Mie show but he was also taken off the show at Corkin. And the thing was that this show was supposed to have the ranking matches for the 5th through 7th place ma- wrestlers. So they had to take Dragon Daya out. He automatically finished in 7th and in last place, which is about where I expected for him in this tournament. I mean, he's still three months into his wrestling career. He's not going to go higher than everyone else. But that meant there was a match between Hio Watanabe and Kota Minenura, in which Hio Watanabe won. So that gives us the bottom half of our tournament bracket. So Hio Watanabe finishes 5th. Kota Minenora finishes 6th. And Dragon Daya finishes seventh in the tournament with the, the the top half matches, decision matches happening at Cork, and with the finals of of the tournament between between Kaidoshida Ishida and Shun Skywalker, and then the third fourth place match between Yuki Yoshioka and Ut. The end for the first week of Dragon Gates twenty nineteen was in Cork, and on the sixteenth for the Open the New Year Gate show there. Which also had the Masaki Mochizuki twenty-fifth anniversary commemoration singles match and the third place and finals of the rookie ranking league. Announced attendance was sixteen fifteen, which is up from fifteen sixty-four. I feel like that pretty much indicates that, that second core can show in December. There was just burnout there. And they announced it as overcrowded. I felt like that you could see some obvious seats down below down and on the floor that were open, and a couple on the stage. But you know, this was a very active crowd. There were some matches they were more into than others. Uh, there was one match that I was really surprised about how little of a reaction someone got. But overall, this is easily the best card so far of Dragon Gate's year so far. I have five matches at three and at three and a half stars or hot or better. It just was a very complete show. Everything that needed time got time. No one really laid an egg out there, and just with the exception of the main event, everything lived up to my expectations. I I should be fair, the main event, and I'll get more into it later, probably my expectations were a little too high for a match like that. But overall, this is definitely the Dragon Gate card worth seeking out if you only have time for one show from the first week of shows. So the show started off with a 2019 roster address, and interestingly enough, they had KZ give the address, which really shows to it. it Just really shows how they are positioning KZ now, and something that we wouldn't have had last year, and something we certainly would not have had beforehand. And it just shows how they've gotten KZ over, and how he stayed over, and it makes a lot of sense for how the rest of the show played out. The fact that he gave the address and just was kind of a just a standard puro. Uh, welcome to 2016 address they had everyone who wasn't an, an RED out, out there who was a member of the roster and just was you know just thanking everyone to come out there and look forward to 2019 the opening match was an eight-man tag of basically a, a lot of the older roster members and people who just aren't in huge roles plus Hiroshi Yamato and Mysterioso so on the winning side, you had Ryo Saito, Super Shisha, Hollywood Soccer Ichikawa, Sachi Hokuboy, and Hiroshi Yamato. I'm sorry, this was a 10-man tag. The uh, losing side was Gamma, Kanes, Brother Yashi, Problem Dragon, Mondai Ryu, and Mysterioso. And Super Shisha got the win in 6 minutes and 47 seconds with the Yoshitonic on Yashi. And this was just a straight-up comedy match. The first two and three minutes of it of the match, so about the first half of it, was all based around the fact that, Stalker's team desperately did not want to lose this first match. And whenever he was getting pinned, they all tried to dive in the ring to interrupt it. And then Stalker kind of was getting his act together. And they had that thing where Stalker goes on a little bit of a hot streak, how the crowd reacts to that. Mysterioso looked better here than on the first two shows. Obviously, it just seems like he had Ring Rust and he was just getting used to working with everyone. I'm still not a huge fan of him as a worker, but I think that he looked a little less out of place here. But overall, this was, this was my lowest ranked match on the card just because this is a match that was just a short little comedy match to open up the show. I mean, there's not much to it. It had a really fun finish where, they, where Stalker was still in the ring with Brother Yashi. And they kind of catapulted Stalker into giving the concho to Brother Yashi. And that directly led to Super Shisa giving the Yoshi tonic for the win. So not essential at all. Just kind of a fun opening match. Match two was the Rookie Ranking League third place decision match between Yuki Yoshioka and UT in which Yuki Yoshioka won with an inside cradle in 11 minutes and 47 seconds over UT. So that puts Yuki Yoshioka third in the Rookie Ranking League and UT in fourth. I went three and a half stars on this. I really like this. I feel like that Yoshioka had, has had three incredibly strong matches during this tournament. He's kind of a he's kind of the glue of... of this uh, generation of dragon gate wrestlers he's not as flashy as shun or hyo he's not like the strike marvel that ishida is and he's not the tentacle master like ut is but he just is very well-rounded he does great both in control and working from beneath and this was the first match of the tournament that yoshioko was in control early and it was really it was really impressive to me to kind of see that the first two matches for him had the other guy getting the shine for most of the match and then yoshioka making the big comeback but this was the match that he was hot out of the gates and he was taking to ut and there was more just awesome ut wrestling during this match there was this crazy armbar shoulder lock muffler thing where he basically was hyperextending both the arms and having one arm draped around ut's neck a lot like the stretch muffler submission hold and that was really cool they used that kind of as the the start of his comeback and it was really great and UT was tremendous in this match as well. He he had some really great selling. I was a little disappointed with the Corkin crowd. The Corkin crowd wasn't as into this match as, as as at least as much as I hoped or at least how my feeling of what the match was. However, they got into like bits and starts of it and they were really into it towards the end when they were starting to do a final stretch that was basically flash pins and cradles and it ended up with Yoshioka winning and UT just kind of being despondent and just beside himself of losing this, this match and finishing fourth in the tournament. So he's kind of the middle person in the whole entire tournament, which is kind of a statement for someone of his age. But, you know, I didn't really view him as a certain winner. I felt like he's someone that could win, but I feel like his chances of winning in comparison to, you know, Shin Skywalker or Kaido Ishida, I feel like his chances were relatively low in comparison to them. The third match was an RED versus... Fuji and Dojo Mochizuki Kids match as Ada, Takashi Yoshida, and Yuzushi Kanda went against Don Fuji, Hyo Nabe, and Kota Minonura. This was one of the matches that was changed after Dragon Daya contracted influenza. Ada got the win on this match, so he has three straight wins to start off the year with another Imperial Uno victory over Don Fuji in 7 minutes and 21 seconds. And this was a fun match. I mean, second shortest match on the show. Really not a whole lot to it, other than further getting over the Imperial Uno as a big finisher and kind of a death kick in many ways. It was fun, though. I really enjoyed how they did the the normal R.E.D. crowd brawling to start off, but then the kids were just going after them all, and it really kind of shows the fight out of Hyo and Minenora, and Hyo was good in this match. He did a lot of selling. You know, I mean, he was someone that I was disappointed in his tournament. He only had one match that was televised, and... For someone of his position, it just kind of shows that he's not satisfied with where he was. And they did a really good final stretch here. Like, this mat, like this show, they've really f- figured out, like, where to end things. Nothing went on too long. Everything hit its mark, and everything was tremendous in that regard. But Don Fuji came in like a house of fire into the final stretch and just ate two Imperial Unos for the win. It was great. Like, they've really gotten this Imperial Uno over as a definite matchender, and it's nice to have a good, strong strike Finisher for Ada. I mean, they're still rehabbing him after losing his hair and making a big deal of that. So this match did what it needed to do. Yoshida and Kanda. I can't remember too much from them from this match, but this really has. Been, they've really done a good job this year making R.E.D. into a stronger heel stable after the end of Berserk and Antios, and It was something that was desperately needed. Now I don't think that this stable is on the same level as like Mad Blanky, of course, but it feels stronger. And after. Three or four years of weak heel stables. It's good to see one that they've built it up and it fits them. Match four was a maximum versus RED eight-man tag with Doyoshi, Dragon Kid, and Jason Lee as the maximum t- team, and Pac, Big Ben, and Kazuma Sakamoto as your RED team. It went 16 minutes and 19 seconds with Big Shimizu getting the win on Jason Lee with the shot putt slam. And I really enjoy this match. It it really kind of was a Jason Alicia in this match. And he had a really great, he had a really great opening segment with Pac. And this was really worked as a sprint, to be quite honest. Like there was crowd brawling to start for sure, but you had everyone in the ring just kind of being willing to go. And there was a really funny moment in this match where Maxim just started openly trolling big R in the corner. They all were just kept on kicking him in the face and just not stopping. And it just was hilarious. Just like the crowd was laughing at it. And it just just R Shimizu is just a weird heel. Like, he wrestles like the Dragon Gate equivalent of a of a giant bruiser. I mean, I wouldn't call him like Brody or anything like that, but he kind of reminds me of Bam Bam Bigelow if anything, and the tights don't help in that. But this match really kind of got over his buffoonish. There was two instances of crossfire between him and Ben and the crowd ate that up, and they could tell it kind of was a big deal, and it led to the finish where the rest of R.E.D. walked out, walked out on Shimizu as he celebrated the victory. But this was great. There was a lot of good moves in terms of, Multi-man spots. There was a lot of good cross cross matches between people, like you. You we normally wouldn't see Jason Lee and Pac in the ring at the same time, and really kind of just going at it. So it was kind of great to see them do this in this match. And something interesting about Pac is that I feel like as the more we get into his stint in Dragon Gate and his return, he's been willing to add a little bit more flashiness back into his character, and I think that's something that's kind of smart. If only from a ring-working perspective, it's something that I feel like is kind of needed. I definitely get the Pac character. I definitely get how his heel run has been since he turned in WWE. But it just is nice to see him being willing to turn on the gas when he really needed to. It's worth mentioning that after match four, there was turmoil for Maximum as well as an ongoing trend for 2019 so far has been the Maximum losing streak where DK afterwards kind of Choose them out, acts like he's the leader and is trying to joke about it, but Doyoshi and Jason Lee never kind of get why he's doing it, and they think it's kinda of ridiculous that they're doing it. And it's actually kinda of funny because they also walked out on Dragon Kid during this, and you you know, this is kind of a funny thing. Like like he made it into a joke talking about, Oh no, this segment never happened, forget it happened, delete this from the V O D and everyone was just kind of eating it up. And also worth noting that they've rebuilt they've re-leathered the uh, Brave Gate, after Ada destroyed it at Final Gate, it now has a white strap. It's kind of a big strap, to be honest. It doesn't necessarily fit the medallion, but it looks nice. I mean, it's one of the things that that belt really kind of need replaced. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something down the line with the Triangle Gate as well, just because they've now had those belts for 15 years and some of the leather is not looking as good as it used to. So that was just kind of a neat little thing that he wanted it to be a white strap because it was something that could... uh Give bring change in the feeling towards the title, and that's something that was quoted directly from iHeartDG. The fifth match on the show was the rookie ranking tournament finals between Shun Skywalker and Kaido Ishida, and Shun Skywalker won the rookie ranking tournament finals, making him the top-ranked rookie in 18 minutes and 59 seconds with Skywalker moonsault, and that puts Kaido Ishida as second place. This was my match of the night. It's my highest-ranked match I have for Dragon Gate Zero so far. I went four and a half stars on it, and it told a pretty great story early on with Ishida kind of dominating and just kicking the crap out of Skywalker until Skywalker did a uh, dragon screw from the apron when Ishida was going for his PK kick on the outside. And there was like some really good sense of danger for, in this match, and not the usual kind of danger where I'm kind of crossing my fingers and hope Shun doesn't like completely wipe out doing a dive. But they they spent about a minute out in the apron just trading strikes, and the crowd was terrified and it's something that I find kind of interesting because Dragon Gate doesn't do a whole lot of apron wrestling and so when he did in Ashala later on in the match to the outside they were really kind of just in shock but after an excitement and the crowd really kind of got behind Kaido in this Kaido's really kind of come into his own this year and last year it's something that is really nice to see seeing that the crowd was always more towards Yamamura when they had that tag team but Kaido Shida's come to his own and probably my favorite spot of this match was when Kaido Ishida went for a tope, tope Suicida to the outside, and Shun Skywalker caught him and gave him an Ashla straight to the outside, just right on the floor. Like it, Dragon Gate has a little bit of padding outside there, but it really is not a whole lot, and it looks really, really brutal. And they just basically spent 18 minutes just beating the crap out of each other, and I really enjoyed it. And the final stretch is also really neat with, with Shun Skywalker hitting the Ashla and Kaido Ishida just being so angry that he kicked out at one, to get another one, and then the uh, Skywalker moonsault to finish the match, and it just was great. Like, I had really high hopes leading into the rookie ranking tournament, and I'm so glad that they've kind of fulfilled those hopes. And I feel like that the rookies now are in a much better position in Dragon Gate than they have been in a long time. Like, this is really promising, and I think we're also kind of going to get to a point where I feel like that for people like Shun and Yuki Yoshioka, it's probably about time for them to start... Moving on and trying to find where they fit into the greater unit, la- the greater unit landscape. One last thing about the rookie raking league before we move on. In the post match, Shun may cut a promo, and it probably was the best promo he's cut cut of his career. The crowd was incredibly receptive of it, and in the promo he made a challenge to Bin K, because, as he noted, Bin K was a part of that class that included Heo and Shun, and the fact that he greatly kind of exploded from that class and was elevated immediately and left them all in his dust and Shun basically said I, I can't really be the top rookie until I prove myself against the top person from that class I need to face you Ben K. and Ben K eventually came out and of course Ben K doesn't talk that much so Shun said okay if you want this match to happen just drop the microphone and go backstage or if you refuse it I want to hear you say no and then, after a bit of silence, Kate dropped the microphone and went backstage. So, that's one of the first matches that was signed for the uh, February 5th Quark, in which we already have the top part of the card known, and I'll be going over that after the end of this recap. The semi main event of the show was a Natural Vibes versus Tri Vanguard Trios match, where KZ, Susumu Yokosuka, and Gigi Horiguchi went against Yamato, Kagator, and Kai. With KZ getting the pin in 12 minutes 59 seconds, this time in Yamato, which gave him his third straight win over the uh, top tier star wrestlers, and led to his Dream Gate challenge coming after the match. I went three and three quarter stars on this match. I enjoyed it a good deal. It was a shade below what I would consider, or what I would consider a match of the year, contender, or honorable mention. But it was really solid, and you know they. They went 13 minutes on this match and they managed to work everyone in there. And this was the first match where Kai really started to perform to expectations of someone on the Dragon Gate roster. Like before, I said that he's doing better when he's wrestling wrestlers that are closer to his size. But in this match, he had a pretty long stretch where he was in the ring of KZ and he finally kind of felt comfortable and his... uh, his style didn't completely eat up KZ and make KZ look bad, which is incredibly important now that KZ is the dream key holder. And it was also kind of funny that now that Kai is further integrated, he has to deal with a lot of KZ and Ginky Gucci's bits and goofs like the rubber band attack. And I thought that was pretty funny. And it just was a, a really fun match that it seems to be an ongoing bit this year that no one wants to take Susumu's uh, top road exploder, his avalanche exploder. So that was kind of, that was kind of funny, and it had another strong finish with KZ getting a pen to sign with the KZ time rather than the impact or his elbow smash. So they're doing a good job of showing, okay, this isn't like last year where all of his wins came off the Sky to Schoolboy leading up to his challenge against Mochizuki, They're showing him having a more varied arsenal. And, you know, I know what they're doing with KZ, or at least I kind of feel like I know what they're doing with KZ. It's clear that since Akira Tozawa left that they've been having him fill the void that Tozawa left when he went to WWE because Tozawa was known kind of as a very lighthearted wrestler. He kind of was the charismatic person that would always get the crowd up in chance and, you, and the crowd would always kind of get behind him as an underdog. And Keiji's been excellent in this role and he's kind of made this role his own. But having him go against Pac when he's facing him in Hakata, I get that because of them not having a title match at Final Game in Fukuoka, they kind of want to do a make-good. And At the same time, the Hakata Star Lanes are closing for renovations, and I'm not certain if Dragon Gate's coming back to Hakata Star Lanes. I really haven't been able to find out if it's closing down for good and it's no longer a wrestling venue, or if this is a situation like they've done with like and a couple of years ago where they are just upgrading it. So they want to send off Hakata Star Lanes with a big uh with a big match, and I guess my my confusion and my hesitance is not towards KZ. I think KZ is definitely someone that he is in a position that if he if he's the Dreamgate champion, I don't see there being a problem here. I don't fear like this is going to be what happened during the first Shingo Takagi or Noruki Doi title reigns, where attendance drops and people really are just kind of hoping that the belt goes back onto an old timer. I don't think that's the issue. My concern more is with Pac. And I've done some research on this. I've reached out to some people. I've talked to some folks. And all the indications I have is that Pac is sticking around. Earlier, it was, it was pretty clear that he was going to be around for the shows in the first part of the year. And I thought it was safe to kind of further extrapolate that he was probably going to stick in at least to, to Dead or Alive or probably Kobe World. But with the all elite wrestling news, it kind of like pops questions in my in my brain about his long term future in Dragon Gate. I don't think that he is going to do a jump like what happened with Ricochet or with Shingo Takagi. It just seems like to me that Pac as champion. Not only is it this reign still a fresh reign. I mean, this is his first defense Open the Dream Gate title, but it's done a good deal of reuniting interests and. It's still again really fresh and if this is supposed to be kz's big title win it if this is kz's big title win getting it off of Pac isn't going to have the same level of importance as if he got off of yamato masato yoshino naruki doi the guys they've been he's been pinning all week so it's a max i think will be pretty good and they the two of them seemed to have some chemistry. They had a really good kind of back and forth on the microphone at post-match, but I'm just not as... I'm just not as ready for this kind of match. I don't think this kind of match is the match that they should be doing right now, and especially not as the first defense of Pox Reign. Also, after this match, when KZ made his challenge, both Naruki Doi and Yamato came out thinking that hey, how are you trying to get a title shot off of our backs? We don't appreciate this. Like, like if you want to make something of this, let's have a one-on-one match. And because of that, KZ said, okay, what, having one-on-one matches, why don't we make this a three-way match and do it at Corkin next month? And I think that's a pretty smart move there. I think that's a pretty big match on a show that already has a lot of stuff going on for it and kind of shows what all is going to happen with the February Corkin. So... This also led to Masato Yoshino talking about the second match in the 20th anniversary commemoration series, which is going to be an eight-person tag that celebrates Torimon Japan versus T2P. And this match is eight people on the Toriman Japan side. We're having Don Fuji, Ginki Horiguchi, Susumu Yokosuka, and Ryo Saito. However, on the T2P side, we're having Masato Yoshino... As his Italian Connection character, Yosino. So that's right, Sexy Tarzan's back for one night. Brother Yashi, who said, Hey, if you're going to be the Sexy Tarzan, then I need to call up my, my relative from Genua, and we're going to have Brother Yassini. And then Sachi Hoko Boy came out and said, Well, if this is all happening, then I will compete as Sachi Hoko Machine number two. And the last member of his team, and also making his Dragon Gate return, is Toro Awashi, which is another member of Agon Iso. He's been in DDT the last few years, who has not appeared in a Dragon Gate ring since the Agon Iso, Firing Unpleasantness, Mutual Separation. Which is awesome. After we had Shuji Kondo show up, it kind of may kind of putting two and two together made me think that Awashi would show up this year, but that almost completely that, that almost completes the entire Agon Iso. Stable, making their reappearance in Dragon Gate after the firing of two, at the end of 2004. And that's just something that five years ago when it was just, okay, Sugawara made his appearance and he was in and out within a year, I wasn't going to expect Brother Yashi to appear. I sure as hell did not think that Suji Kondo was going to show back up. And then naturally after those two show up, I'm like, okay, Toro Washi is going to show up. So that means one thing that we need from Dragon Gate in 2019 They need to find Shogo Jet Takagi. He does occasional DDT shows, so he is mostly retired, but he wrestles occasionally. But how amazing would it be at the end of the year if there was like a giant 10-man tag with the complete Agoniso stable going against Masato Yoshino, Nuruki Doi, Yamato, Keiji, and Misaki Mochizuki? I think that would rule. I would love to see that. But so that means on the February fifth, Korken we already have three matches announced. That means we are having the Class of 2016 explodes match between the rookie ranking league tournament winner, Shun Skywalker, going up against Binkei. We have the three-way match between KZ, Naruki Doi, and Yamato, and then we have the 20th anniversary celebration series match, Torimon Japan versus T2P, Don Fuji, Iki Horiguchi Susumu Yokosuka. And Ryo Saito going against Yoshino, brother Yasini, Sachioka Machine Two, and the retin- returning Toru Awashi. That's going to be an incredibly fun show. I can't wait to. S- I-, I can't wait for February. As well, there was one more last bit of news before the main event, and that is that starting the beginning of next month, February first, Jason Lee will become a full time member of the Dragon Gate roster. And to be honest, I already thought he was. They've been doing cross promotions with his Hong Kong Wrestling Federation group for a while and he deserves a contract he has really come to his own in dragon gate i can't remember the last time there was a jason lee match where i disliked it and it just kind of shows that the company is kind of further like discovering who they are in this post dragon gate owe world so good for him and congratulations to jason lee that is awesome the main event of the january 16th show. Was the first volume of the Dragon Gate 20th anniversary commemoration series and was also the 25th anniversary commemorative match for Masaki Mochizuki as he faced the returning Russell I fighter Shuji Kondo. The match went 16 minutes and 22 seconds with Kondo getting the win with his King Kong lariat. And I think this match was very good. It had a lot of interesting parts to it. But I came away with it a little underwhelmed, and I think part of that is because I built it up as such a big thing of Suji Kondo making his return against Masaki Mochizuki and Masaki Mochizuki being this amazing singles match wrestler that I thought that this would be just otherworldly. And I ended up giving it three and three quarter stars, which means I thought it was something that people should watch, but it just didn't really hit the highs that I was hoping. And I think one of the reasons for that was, and this kind of surprised me, but at the same time, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. But the Dragon Gate crowd did not seem too familiar with Suji Kondo. And that has been something that has been said time and time again, is that, oh, the Dragon Gate fan base has a pretty significant turnover every few years. And it's never been as clear as almost 14 years after Igon Iso left Dragon Gate that not a lot of fans were aware of it. Which is kind of interesting to me and kind of weird because in December when they announced the series and when they announced this first match, there was a huge reception in and for the fact that Suji Kondo was returning. And then during this match, it seemed like maybe 30 to 40 percent of the audience had no idea who this big guy was. And I made sure this wasn't just me who expected it who were kind of surprised by this. I've asked around, and the people who I've talked to kind of came to a similar conclusion. So this isn't just, oh, Mike Spears is overreacting to something. This is something that other people have noticed too. And that brought down the match a little bit to me. But this match was very, very good. I liked it a whole lot. It told a really cool story of Misaki Mochizuki just trying to keep up and knowing that, okay, Shuji Kondo's big move is going to come from his arm. He's going to try to layer it knee to death, so... I'm going to kick his arm as much as I can. I'm going to try to break down this arm. And at the beginning, Kondo playing into it, thinking that he was a stronger man, just saying, okay, give me all you got. Kick me in my arm, old man. Let me see what you can do. And I, I, I should say the crowd did get into this match. It really got into it during Mochizuki's first comeback. And when they got went into the final stretch, I mean, this was only a 16-minute match. So the whole Dragon Gate, those two long singles matches, they've really shown over the last few months that they were moving away from that. I mean, when when the, there were only three matches on the show longer than 15 minutes, I think we are coming close to being able to put that myth to bed. But they, during the first comeback, the crowd really got into it, and they were really behind Mochizuki. And that led to an incredibly brutal-looking twister from Kondo. I mean, Mochizuki turned 49 today. I'm recording this on the 17th. He turned 49 today, and he decided to ring in his, his the last year of his 40s by... Game dropped straight on his neck, and that was really, really brutal. And in the final stretch, he took a couple crazy bumps as well as he probably took one of my top five favorite bumps off a lariat, where he did not only just do a full backflip, but he did a full black backflip in a way that wasn't just overly dramatic. Like he kind of went with the motion of the lariat from Kondo, and it looked very organic and looked really cool. And it had the finish of this match was really great, and the last like six or seven minutes really brought this match up from a match that I was ultimately disappointed to to a match that I'm just disappointed with myself for building up expectations for it, I guess. But still, this was another great, this was another very good match on a show of a lot of very good matches and one excellent match. And there was a lot of stuff that went on in the post-match. Kondo basically said it was, it was good for him to come back into the ring, and he was hoping the fans were helping him. We're going to welcome him back, and then Thank Mochizuki for making this happen and they kind of went back and forth about like them both being older men and talking about Aganesu and the fact that now almost everyone has come back but in February, uh, Toru Owashi will come back and unlike all the other members of uh, Aganesu, he's the one who's changed the most since then and it's going to be a very different person and it just was kind of like a it was a nice note I know that the slates are clean now in Dragon Gate since Okamura's retirement and they've let old bygones kind of pass them by. So it's it's good that this happened, and it's good that there's kind of an open link between uh, members of the Dragon System that left Dragon Gate and some of them that didn't leave in the best circumstances. It's nice that there's been a good sense of closure there. And also something of note was that Kondo came with some Russell One kids. No, no one that I recognized, I think they were just I think they were just trainees, and they were selling tickets. For Russell 1 there, and that's something that doesn't usually happen at a Dragon Gate Corkin show, so kind of further cements the idea that now we've already had OWE and Stronghearts in Russell 1, we've had Dragon Gate with some Russell 1 interaction, and I don't know necessarily what the totality of the relationship is, but it seems like there's a pretty open line of communication, and this probably further puts to bed the idea, or the feeling that first happened after the split of anger and frustration, and that really, Dragon Gate and OWE are two sides of the same coin and it's I don't know how much this means with Dragon Gate Wrestle 1 going forward but I thought that was interesting and also interesting was mentioned in Mochizuki during his kind of, in his promo to end it, talking about how he first came to Cork in Hall 25 years ago as a karate fighter versus a pro wrestling match and that would have been in WAR or in a uh, Buku Dojo match I'm not certain which one it was off the top of my head and how he was completely unfamiliar with wrestling and he's kind of made up a 25 year career from this and he also made a note of something that completely I forgot was that he's lost every single special match he's had for his anniversaries he's lost his 10th anniversary match his 15th anniversary match his 20th anniversary match and now his 25th anniversary match and he also pointed out something that was also a really cool note that he's now wrestled 5 years longer than Dragon Gate has ever existed and he was and it was kind of like a really cool thing for this match And now as he's doing his last year in his 40s, I mean, it's wild to think that this time next year, Masaki Mochizuki is going to be 50. But it just was kind of a nice, warm feeling given to this match and everything post-match and just this whole show. If I compare this to shows that kicked off 2017, or especially shows kicked off 2018, this really feels like that Dragon Gate is building. It seems like this week... This whole week was a really good way to kind of set up 2019. We have some interesting storylines going on now. We have the, uh, the, the people who didn't win the Rookie Ranking League now have, a, now have a chip on their shoulder to prove that they're better than their tournament, their, their tournament result. We have Shun Skywalker challenging the uh, Supernova and Ben K to prove who's the best person who debuted in the year 2016. We have kind of the joking drama between, from Dragon Kid and the rest of Maximum. We have this new drama between Shimizu and Binkei and Red at large. And we have this kind of long storyline that's been built up pretty much since the end of 2016 of KZ desperately trying to become the top player in Dragon Gate. And that's just a really rewarding thing that we have all of this when when I look back into how 2017 started, how 2018 started, that... It feels like that the ship's been righted in Dragon Gate. And these three shows across their first week of 26, 2018, the 2019 really gets me excited about this year. And it gets me thinking about where Dragon Gate might go in 2019. A couple things before we end this episode of Open the Voice Gate. There are two more shows in the month of January that will be on Dragon Gate Network. They're on the 26th and 27th. Both are from Kobe Sambo Hall. And there's some other stuff that's been going up and that will go up. There is a Dragon Gate studio taping, I believe, that is on the 18th. So tomorrow, as of the day of the recording, there was a really good Tori Mon Japan show that went up on the first of the month. And then also they had uh, Korakans and the televised events, excluding Final Gate, go up on the network this month. Speaking of the network, over Twitter over the last few weeks, they've been doing a poll for the... 2018 dragon gate network awards there were four categories in this poll for mvp best bout best tag team and rookie and they announced them today and i just kind of want to go through them quick because i think they're kind of interesting it's different than what i would expect it but the this was a poll that was conducted over twitter using hashtags and the two that i were that i was not surprised about in the results was they named the uh, Dragon Gate Network Awards 2018 Best Rookie as Shun Skywalker and the Best Tag Team as Yama Hulk. And really, I feel like there's no other way than in these categories to choose Yama Hulk as the Best Tag Team and Shun Skywalker as the Best Rookie. It just, as we've seen throughout the year 2018, the most featured rookie was Shun Skywalker, and Yama Hulk had an incredible title run from Kobe World up until... They had to vacate it with BB Hulk's injury. The other two categories, however, they're pretty surprising. The match of the year was Doi versus Ada from the for, from the May 8th cork and during King of Gate. And I have to say, like, I wasn't super high on that match as well. Pardon the noise as I flipped through my notes. Doi versus... I, I gave that match three, three stars and a quarter. I thought it was okay. I, you know... The fact that I had to go look at my notes to think about what I thought about that match pretty much tells you, uh, at least like my opinion, but at least seems the Dragon Gate Twitter audience really thought highly of it. The second place match was Ut versus Shun Skywalker from December. I think that's a strong match to put up there. And then the third match was Masato Yoshino defending the Open the Dream Gate title against Benkei at Gate of Destiny. And I, you know, that's a surprise there. But Masato Yoshino is, of course, one of the more popular people in Dragon Gate history. The Binke match I enjoyed, I thought it was alright. It wasn't my favorite Dreamgate match and probably wasn't in my top three favorite Dreamgate matches of twenty eighteen. So that was interesting. I mean if I were to rank my three favorite matches of twenty eighteen, it would have been KZ versus Mochizuki from February, Mochizuki versus Binke at uh, champion gate in Osaka in March. And then probably my third match would have been the uh, UT versus Shin Skywalker match, to be honest. Like, those would have been my three matches, so I would have had one of three matches on my, on my version of the Dragon Gate Network Awards. And then the MVP for 2018 was Ada, which, complete surprise. Like, if I was to choose who was the most important member of Dragon Gate in 2018, I would have to think either Mochizuki or Yoshino. But if you're trying to think of as I'm trying to rationalize this in my head right now, if you're trying to think about the person who's probably had the most impact, I think I'd still go like Pac. But Ada had a very important role. I mean, going from the supposed member of Antios to reclaiming the heel unit when Shingo Takagi announces departure. I get it. You know, I can understand how that can happen. So those are the 2018 Dragon Gate Network Awards. And that will do it for this episode of Open the Voice Gate. Thank you again for listening. If you get a chance, please follow the show's Twitter account at Open VoiceGate. My personal Twitter account is at Fujiheia. That's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. And if you get a chance, please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, pretty much all of them. And until next time, thank you again for listening.